Welcome to Wisco Dice. This is episode 83 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast, and today is August 1st, 2021. On today's episode, we will cover our D&D campaign, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, our hobby corner where we catch up with our miniature painting projects, and of course, we'll discuss the games that we've been playing. But first, let's go ahead and meet our hosts. I'm your host, the Conzi with the most. Hey, and I'm Suzanne. This is Matt, uh, the Ghost Walker. Hey, everybody, this is Justin, the Meeple's champion, coming at you. <laughs> and Stark Raving Mad, also known as Brian, is here. All right, excellent. So let's go ahead and dive into our first topic. And that is going to be what games have we been playing? And let's go ahead and start with Blood Rage. So, Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about Blood Rage? I know you just got to play this one for your first time. Yeah, I had my first play the other board game night. You and Dustin, our buddy, were playing. Uh, it's actually a cool mini or not game. It has lots of cool miniatures in it. Uh, Blood Rage is like a Viking, Ragnarok kind of themed game. And, yeah, there's four factions we had in there um yeah. so they all have unique miniatures for the factions and there's a handful of monsters as well so those were all kind of really cool and stood out to me being a miniature guy um i guess the playtime runs about 90 minutes i think that's what we did even on like my first play dustin and you had more experience uh two to four players um i think you had made a comment like three kind of seemed like a good sweet spot like two was a little kind of different gameplay you were saying as far as how the first turns ro roll around and stuff like that well, the game plays over like three ages, and you have kind of like a action um, kind of efficiency game you're kind of playing. Uh, you have like cards that can upgrade your clan or your leaders and your um, warriors, and then the board game map is kind of divided into a few different realms, and you're placing your minis on there to battle and kind of pillage and gain the reward of those various realms to either increase your stats or just kind of straight score points and stuff like that, so... You have like a rage tracker in every whatever age and most of the actions you're using rage to complete so at some point you're kind of balancing that out and i think pillaging was the only thing that was kind of a free action for the most part unless you had some other special ability and it seemed like generally the kind of the strategy was to kind of use some of the upgrade cards and stuff like that to kind of maximize some scoring multiplication situations it seemed to work out. I kind of stumbled into one on my in the second age where I got all my dudes killed during Ragnarok. Like at the end of each age, one of the uh, realms or whatever will get wiped out during Ragnarok. So everything there dies and then goes to Valhalla. And then at before the at the end of the age or before the start of the other the next following age all your warriors come back and i had it worked out where i got bonus points when they died during ragnarok and then bonus points when they came back during valhalla you had something similar where you kind of you were getting lots of points when they came back from valhalla and didn't mind your guys dying in battle a lot of times i think that was called like a loki strategy kind of thing because yeah the loki strategy is i think all about like losing combat yeah. and then getting points out of your stuff when it comes back out yeah a lot of the upgrades were kind of well it's all themed around viking stuff so a lot of the upgrades were named after the various gods and such and i guess i don't know what dustin had a strap for a strategy that time but he seemed to pump all of his like base things up quite a bit which worked out for him i think he we had a pretty close game it was close yeah um 
considering and I kind of lucked out with that one strategy I stumbled into but um for our first play it was pretty good and it seems like there's quite a bit of replay there just based on what cards you get you kind of draft the cards for your hand at the beginning of the game so there's some variance there and yeah just kind of where you stumble into I feel like it's kind of hard to lock in to do a certain thing in the game like each time like just depending on what cards you get so it kind of flexes you out into trying different things every time and the miniatures were really cool um one minor critique i had like everybody had a different named faction that were kind of a theme but they didn't have like you know a little special ability like we talked about that after like maybe it's good because everybody's balanced out that way but just having different factions the only difference was your miniatures were a little different otherwise they played the game played the same so that was good for balance but we compared it to like uh whatever cthulhu cthulhu wars cthulhu wars where kind of the they're so like individual like they all play completely different like i thought it'd be nice to have just a little thing there to kind of add some flavor to each faction but it does work a lot better for the balance probably do you have any other thoughts to add Oh, I will say that uh, Blood Rage is turning into rapidly one of my more favorite games, and I like it. I love Cthulhu Wars. It's Cthulhu Wars is definitely in, in my top ten of all games I, that I've ever played and will continue to be there. Uh, but it, Blood Rage is so much easier to get to the table and scratches all the same itches. For a game that's all about dudes on a map fighting over territories and territory control... Like, oh, I got destroyed off the map this this age. Well, no big deal. That played into my strategy, and I'm right back in it the next stage, taking territories, conquering. It's, oh, yeah, you're going to lose guys. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, and that is executed. There are so many territory control games where Game of Thrones, the board game, uh, that uh, <laughs> does that do that, and you can just be annihilated and stuck having to play the game for the duration of the game very early so that was really good about it and then the the rage tracker being able to basically use the equivalence of what what is power in like chaos in the old world or cthulhu wars to pay for your actions whether that's putting more more dudes on the map moving your dudes around playing special powers uh that are granted as things from the gods all these things make it great i i really enjoy it suzanne you played it as well yep i played it as a two-player with you ben and it's scaled i think okay Um, the fighting was a little bit boring because you only had one other person to go after. Uh, but you know, it does scale the board down. It's a lot, like Ben said, it's a lot easier to get to the table than Cthulhu. You can transport this. It's all in one box. Our Cthulhu, it's a (laughs) bucket and several heavy boxes. You don't really want to move it and it takes a lot longer to set up. I need a pallet, I think, about it at this point to move through the wars. <laughs> Probably. It's generally a longer game, too, isn't it? At least when yes. I play it. A, a little it longer. Seems... Not that much longer, actually. Okay. Well, like... and like uh, Brian mentioned that all of this factions start with the same zero abilities, uh, which Cthulhu, you kind of start with different. Um, so Blood Rage is nice, especially if you're a beginner or you're trying to teach it to someone. You don't have to remember what someone else's faction does compared to your faction to help them and make sure that they are understanding what they're supposed to be doing. So that way it's really nice. You can build your strategy and change your strategy during the game, depending on what cards you draw, which is fun. Also, um, it's a nice 
little game. I'm pro- I am enjoy it very much, and I want to play it at a higher player count. I don't know if I'm as gung-ho about it as Ben is, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, But it's definitely fun, and I will play it anytime it's offered. That's awesome. So why don't we dive into our next game, which is Fort. So Fort, uh, we actually played this morning for board game brunch. So Justin, Ben, and I were able to play that. Yep. And which was nice to play it as a three player. Previously, I'd only played it as a two player. It's by Leader Games. It takes under 60 minutes, really, even with a teach on there. It's not very complicated. It's a card drafting and hand management game about building forts and eating pizza and making friends. So all the things you want to do as a kid. Um, Your friends, though can get lured away so you need to build the best fort possible to keep everyone there you start with a deck of cards you play a card you can use some actions and you can make the action stronger by other cards that you have in your hand and then you recruit and more friends to come and play at your fort building it the end of the game is triggered when someone has 25 points someone's fort reaches the highest level level five or your park deck is empty so basically you've recruited all of the friends that are playing at the park that's possible and there's just no more to come and play with you guys so i do like this game uh one thing that i feel is missing is the actual construction of a fort (laughs) you have a little track that says it goes up I really was hoping that there was some way that I could have some visual representation of a fort being built, but you know, it's hard with a card game. This is very transportable. It's in a very small box. (laughs) It's, it's a fun game. It's a game that will get played here and there. It's not going to be one that I'm probably going to play and pull out every month. It's one that you also could probably play with non gamers pretty simple, pretty easily to change to uh, teach it to them. So I don't know what you guys were thinking about this game. Yeah, no, I I, I have I had heard of Fort before this, but uh, like you said, my expectation was that it somehow involved construction of a fort when it's really kind of a um, deck building game where you gather friends to build the fort more abstractly just by gathering the resources of toys and pizza, like you said, to push your sort of fort level up a, up a track. The benefit of that is it it's a quick and easy to learn game. I think, you know, it would be obviously more complicated if you introduce some type of building mechanics or whatever. I think it does a good job of, of what it is. Uh, and the art is really great. I mean, Lita Games has great art, obviously, from Root and, and Oath and stuff. I enjoyed it. I definitely did not figure out a good strategy during the game. I didn't really get a good engine going kind of as, you know, as you... As you're choosing cards, every every turn you recruit and choose cards into your deck uh, to add to your deck, and then you know you draw five to play. Some will just let you gain resources, uh, while others uh, will let you like increase your fort level. Uh, and I think like I was very much behind the cycle where you guys would have gathered enough resources, and then somebody would play a card to to boost to increase your fort level. And I just didn't have the resources whenever they got played because so I wouldn't be able to follow your action because I just didn't have the resources to do it. Or maybe I had the wrong cards in my hand to kind of match the, the suit of the action you were playing. So I felt like it's a little bit 
behind the 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 curve on just keeping my engine going for being ready to take advantage of what cards you guys are playing too so makes me just want to play it again to try to figure it out so no i I enjoyed it yeah i think uh the big thing with the mat is this game is thematically it doesn't fit the bill what it says it is on the box (laughs) yeah the cards are all the neighborhood kids that are playing in the park none of those are tangible components that ultimately go into building your fort which would yeah, be no, so no paint, much more no thematically or something, right. <laughs> so much more thematically yeah. satisfying so all it really ends up being for me when i'm playing the game is i'm thinking about it as oh hey it's a bunch of these kids and you are the kid who's trying to entice the kids playing at the park to come over to your house to play and it becomes a popularity kit contest, which <laughs> was horrifying for me as a child and brings back all those negative ner- <laughs> childhood memories about not having anybody ever come over to play. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I was, we'd only played it as two players previously, which it's another game that I think it's more enjoyable having three or four players it only plays up to four but it having that extra player or two just made it so much more enjoyable because there was more options for you to play off of things more options for you to recruit your friend or recruit friends off of other off of other players just more uh, things that you could do that i just thought it made the game more dynamic and better than it did as a two-player it was also easier with three players to gain resources is what I found. The first yes. couple times I played, it was hard to get resources because you maybe are playing off of your one opponent's card, but now I had uh, two opportunities to yeah. follow the leader's actions. And this game I did play a little riskier than I normally would. I was, you know, I was like, well, hey, even if I wanted to use this card for myself and could double it, hey, if I can get resources by following the leader's action, I am going to do that. And just kind of taking those risks. But like Ben pointed out, it is a lot of um, popularity. I would (laughs) rename the victory point track that they have the popularity track. Because, you know, who's the most popular going up on there? Yeah, because you're you're, you're gathering toys and pizza to like... (laughs) And enticing other kids to join your your crew, it makes sense. Yeah. I want to buy your affection. Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of fictitious fort you're building in the whole process that which, yeah. makes really no friends, difference. Yeah. Which is shockingly real to life. But um, <laughs> so what I'm curious, um, just I want to ask you guys because I have not seen the game yet. Is um, like how do you think this would play? Like, could you teach this? Because this is sort of a deck building game. Could you teach this to younger people? And and or was this the level of strategy maybe a little bit more complicated? I think yeah. the level because the the cards have all of these symbols, and then you have to be able to translate those symbols. And there's so many symbols that I think it's going to be hard for yeah. a, That's a, a younger kid. Yeah. This is going to be this game is seems to me to be targeted by those of us that had childhoods that are, you know, the the. 70s 80s 90s childhood when you would be able to go out with no parental supervision get out of the house kids and go play that that's like that's where that come back for dinner yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't want to see you till dinner time you know this would though be a good game if you have individuals who are gamers but their english is a little bit more limited so or the whatever language you have the rules in is more limited once you're actually playing the game 
you don't need to read anything. It's just the iconography. So once you know what the iconography is, you can figure out the cards. Mm -hmm. So that would be good if you're traveling internationally. Take it and make some friends. <laughs> good deal. All right, man. Why don't you tell us about Lost Ruins of Arnox? Yeah, I was I was actually really excited. Um, we were able to find... I was finally able to find some time to play Lost Ruins of Arnok. I, I played it with Suzanne and her daughter and, and, and my wife. And... We got an opportunity to play it. Um, you know, I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but you're basically the, uh, for anybody who doesn't know and hasn't heard, seen our earlier episodes, the uh, you're like a Indiana Jones style, uh, style game. You're doing some worker placement. You've got some deck building um, elements. Um, I, you know, I, I, I do agree after with some of the comments that were made earlier that it's a little jarring for some of the components because they do have some really cool components. And then you just get a few things like the, the money and the compasses where I think it was just a bit of a missed opportunity, but I totally understand cost. You know, they, they, they could have had some really cool plastic or some other things they could have done there. Um, for how the game played, I will say one of the things I really liked about it was I feel like it's a super simple game to teach but the depth of the strategies underneath it caught me off guard because i felt like i was behind at the start of the game and i think to one of the comments you made earlier actually from fort that game has an engine built into it and if you get behind on the engine at the beginning of the game you are hosed <laughs> um and and i like missed that deeper strategy of the engine and the hard part on that game i felt is like if you're the fourth player it's hard when you start the game because uh because of the worker placement elements it's kind of like if you've ever played everdell and you're the last person to go it's like hey look all the good spots are taken yeah you're gonna suffer from that so you have to make some different difficult decisions if you're a last player i mean they do give you a few extra um, resources which is nice but there are some let's just say very limited opportunities in the beginning of the game to get some of those special resources and you know if somebody jumps on those early it's going to be an expensive and difficult first few turns but um, but I mean I, I still think there's a lot of strategy there that I, I mean I hate to say it, I really want to get back and see it on the table again just because I feel like I'd love to take that challenge on again and be able to see if I could spin it a different way or come up with some totally different strategy that would be more effective. But, you know, the the way I went into it was a little bit light, which is great. Um, but then I was like, oh, crap, I screwed up my engine. And now I'm like behind the whole rest of the game. And it was just an impossible thing to dig out of. But um, no, I still thought it was fun. It was thematic. I love the art. It was just a whole lot of fun. Um, Suzanne, what were you thinking? Because you've played it a few times now. Yep. So. so I've played it a few times. Uh, more than a few, probably, actually, by this <laughs> point. <laughs> and I've played a lot of it as a two-player game and a few three-player games of it. I do disagree about starting player. I started, when I started as a first player, like the last game I played, uh, I didn't. I had too many options. I didn't know where to start, what was the best way for me to start with the game 
and to get an engine running. So I never really got an engine running. I felt like, well, I'm just going to grab this because it seems good right now. When I have a few less choices, that helps me focus on what I should do. And in our four-player game, I believe I was the last person. You were third. Or player. was I third? Okay, I was <laughs> okay, I could. But it was towards the end. It it was a lot more helpful for me with that. I do enjoy the game. I yeah, there's the cardboard components, and they're fine. And upgraded ones will be nice, but I don't mind them. It helps me remember which ones I can upgrade and which ones I can't all the time. Yeah, it's there's so many different tracks with it. It's it's fun. It's a little bit player interaction. I'd like a little bit more. I'd like to fight people for. <laughs> I don't want to add some fighting components to like, it. She's like, I want to boot that person off of that dig site. Yep. I want to take them out and just. <laughs> Which would be great if I played with Ben because he knows I just go and attack him the whole time. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so so yeah, yeah no I mean, lost. I've played Lost Ruins of Arnok. At least a dozen times now since it came out, uh, both uh, physical in per- in person play combined with board game arena, and because of that, I feel like I've started to really learn the game in a way that made me view the game much differently than when we had reviewed it, and I had a limited number of plays. And I'm finding myself liking the game more and more the more I repeat play it because it's. There is that depth, but also it's a different game every time you play it. Mm -hmm. That said, there are certain things that I feel like you have to do. Um, Things that I learned by watching our our savant, uh, (laughs) uh, Justin here, uh, uh, play it twice. And he basically had it, I think, on the first play. Kind of nailed on what you should probably do. And uh, because of that, uh, you know, there's things like you need to get those assistants. You need to find ways. To, you, it's a game where your action economy is so limited that anything you can do to generate more actions or generate more resources without you having to spend a resource to do it is so effective. So, yeah, yeah. getting those assistants, getting artifacts. The artifact cards are the cards that have cards where you can... Yeah. replace your assistance or take your assistant back off the board because you're never going to get any more workers to go get stuff. Yep. Yeah. Those things are so big and so powerful in this game. Like it and you I don't know that you see that until most of us see that until you've played the game 2 3 4 times. Right. Uh, and really start to get a handle on it. Of course, Justin being the the savant oh, yeah, of this you're game. You're giving me way too much credit. I just <laughs> sort of picked a thing when I started when we played that first time like, "Oh, assistance. I'll I'll look, I'll focus on that for a while. And that worked out really well. So, so you just randomly stumbled into I, I the good the strategy. Focus on, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> and I, and he I scored mean, like 70 or 80 points both r- ways. So. Well, but <laughs> I used it effectively. But, but so, this I is kind of why I equate <laughs> it in a little bit to like playing like anybody who's ever played Everdell. Because Everdell has kind of the same mechanic. Totally different approaches. But my point to like you have to have economies for how you do your actions because you're going to run out and you can find yourself running through the game very quickly. Yeah. And I will tell you, it was eye-opening the first time I played Everdell against somebody who knows that game inside and out. <laughs> and I literally watched them play for 45 minutes after I was done. And I just like stared at them dumbfounded like, 
I have no idea how you did what you just did. But they knew the engine and they understood the concept of economies of how do I reset this and, and do things without wasting resources. And it, it's, I, I feel like there's that depth of strategy buried in ruins, Lost Ruins of Arnok that I would have to play it enough to be like, okay, now I get it. Now I understand how I can combine these two cards to get much greater impact than what I did. So. All right, so that's Lost Runes of Arnok. So let's dive into our hobby corner. I'll start with talking about what miniature hobby and projects I've been working on. So I have been knee-deep in Dungeons & Dragons prep. As the Dungeon Master, I need to do probably the most prep work out of all of you jokers that are playing. <laughs> uh, and uh, that means that my 3D printer has been running pretty much nonstop. My paintbrush has been going pretty much nonstop at working on some really cool top secret sets for upcoming gaming sessions. Uh, so lots of dungeon tiles, lots of various accoutrements, accessories to really... When it hits the table and those encounters happen... I I just want people to when when I go okay wait a second and I go into the back room or something to go get to go get one of these things and drop it on the table and everybody just go wow and so I'm really working towards I'm no, I don't know that I have anything that's going to hit that completely out of the <laughs> mark yet but I've got I I think the next session or so is going to there should hopefully be some really cool wow moments where hopefully uh, you guys as the players are really appreciative. So there'll be pictures of actual this actual project, the those the the one that I've been doing the most 3D printing up uh, on the blog post for this one. I don't want to give too much away because the session that it will likely hit the table is the next session. There our next session here in August, but uh, that running that Creel uh, that since we bought that Creel T Ender three 3D printer, it's it's been such an amazing investment. Just you know, lost uh, lost ruins of Arnak. Uh, you know, I've got coins printed. I just need to get time to paint them. I need uh, I got compasses printed. I just need time to paint them. Uh, the terraforming Mars tiles that I've done so far look amazing. Uh, you know, any any time I've had a game where I'm like, oh, that that game needs something for a component. It's so easy to find uh, an STL file on Thingiverse and go print it and then start painting it. I see so many things now that are miniatures, and I'm just like, I just can't print miniatures to the level of quality. I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But all the any anything terrain, board game components, totally great. It's been a, a great $155 investment. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So into my projects, I uh, talked about D&D. I had my sorcerer model I was working on. It was a sorcerer model from Reaper. I did a little bit of green stuff customization on it. I had it in the works in our last cast and uh, i think our first session was a little bit after that i got it to about maybe 80 percent for that session i kind of just ran out of time after procrastinating on it and i was able to finish that up um i was really inspired after our first session so i busted it out pretty quick after that and i only had a few details left to finish but i was really happy with how that came out i was really inspired it had been so long since I've gotten to play anything a lot like that's usually where my hobby inspiration comes from so it just really got my juices going again and I was really happy putting all the thought into that mini I was actually meaning to write up a blog post just on everything like I thought about planning it and like kind of customizing it for fun and 
uh, painting it and all that. So it was just really inspiring to have that back. Um, and luckily it overflowed into my slightly lackluster VC21 project. That's my Vampire Counts Fantasy Army from ages ago. I was looking for uh, COVID downtime to kind of bust out a lot of hobby work on that neglected project since I hadn't been playing anything else so may as well play a game I don't or paint a game I don't play too often and I'm really happy like how inspired I was with that D&D mini it carried over into my zombie painting again so I got five more just about done and I'm really excited to carry on into my next group of five and I think I only have 10 more models left and then that unit of zombies is done so then I can continue on to something else and that probably gives me about 50% of the now planned little army I have for the end of the year. So it's getting real close. So we'll see if that kind of gives me some inspiration to carry on with it. So that means the next time we play Warhammer, you're going to still play me with completely unpainted models? Uh, well, since your comment poked at me about it last time, maybe not. Uh, well, for sure the zombies should be there this time. I only had like five mostly done when you played that la- that first time. So... I didn't bother putting them on the table. And then the ghouls are my other unit that's painted, and they're so expensive. Like, that's almost half the army when we were playing only a 1,000 points or whatever. So Yeah, you, you brought the kick Ben's teeth in list, not the, hey, let's play with my painted fun stuff. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's generally a target, Ben. Let's just kick Ben's teeth in. Yeah, <laughs> probably true. <laughs> yeah, my target painted list isn't even probably a good list at that point it might be about a thousand point army but it's more for like a good group of stuff to paint but so maybe you'll have the opportunity to beat me back (laughs) we'll see we'll see last episode i had uh an unpainted miniature from reaper it's the it's the the name of it is uh, if you're curious is jordan half-orc paladin i am happy to say that i pretty much have finished it I was able to finish it before our first uh, D&D session, uh, and I'm pretty happy with it, given that, like, it's, it, you know, painting is fairly new to me. Uh, uh, I really got it to a place that I was happy with and, you know, was able to get some more paints to get some special colors that I wanted. I got a nice bright gold for some of the details on it. was able to experiment with mixing some different colors and kind of... Uh, uh, I worked with a uh, uh, couple metallic colors and mixed some of those to get some some different metallic uh, sort of sheen on some of the armor. So the the way I painted it, he's he's kind of got uh, one set one group of armor pieces that are sort of a, a silvery metallic color, and then there's another some like individual parts that are sort of a, uh, a real dark, almost black metallic with kind of gold highlights and gold trim uh so that was really fun to to uh it was really like the first one i've done that was just like all my own ideas instead of following my uh my learn to paint kit that i had been working on uh so very very fun and i uh i need to probably find another uh miniature for my character who has who is less nicely armored <laughs> the, the one i painted has got like full plate and like a all this fancy looking stuff and like right now in the game i think i just have some chain mail or something so need a level uh, one version. yeah i need to find a level one version exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly what are you working on matt 
uh, I am in, I am knee deep in the middle of, so I go through this process. I'm working on a Joker crew for Batman miniatures game. The hard part I always go through and, and for anybody who's kind of done planning for a while and painting is because I want there to be some symmetry. I, I always struggle with trying to figure out exactly what I want the paint scheme to look like and how I want to do the blends. So I'm at that kind of beginning stage and I lay a whole bunch of base colors on a whole bunch of different mon- models and then I come back and then I'm like, okay, how do I want the highlights to look and things like that? So I try a whole bunch of different things on different models. So I kind of have this hodgepodge going on and none of it particularly looks done yet, <laughs> but that's kind of the part of my process. I always try to find like sort of the color schemes and sort them out on the um, in the Batman world. This is the henchman to start because if I can get it right on the henchman by the time I'm working on the Joker and Harley Quinn and they will have slightly different color schemes, but um you know, you kind of get your blends down before you get to the the boss models, and then and then you really kind of have it nailed by the time you're working on them. So that's where I'm in the middle of right now. So it's just getting those colors sorted out on the crew and working on that. So very cool. And there just happens to be a couple of blog articles uh, up on the Whisker Dice website to help you with deck building already. So and it'll be a, <laughs> that will be super helpful article, for me. <laughs> a future article for how you manipulate the actual Joker deck cards right now i've just done the analysis on the the standard generic objective cards so and it'll be interesting to see how you two play these very similar crews differently yeah yeah no there's definitely joker has so many models to pick from you have a lot of choice as to even what version of leader you want to use in that crew so it'll be a lot of i'm sure like you know two joker crews are going to look exactly the same but they will play very similarly i'm sure yeah well, to add to our BMG fun, I am not paying out any new models. I have not actually made any or painted any models. That fun all goes to my husband because he is the painter in the family. But I had been thinking that we have a lot of terrain that is based on the city. And so you have really tall buildings, which is great with my Birds of Prey crew. But it's a little bit hard to see around at times. And I do lose Uh, opponents and even my own models sometimes behind buildings and I saw someone making some train out of resin and I thought that looked like fun so I am working on an ice pond to start slowly very slowly building a wintry city scene hopefully so right now it is just at the fun shaping the foam core I am making up the process as I go all the tutorials I saw yeah, I wasn't going to go and buy a whole bunch of new materials we didn't have, so I'm trying to figure out what we have that I can use. I have the project I talked about last time, the lighting the building up, that I should let you guys know that is on hold until the painter in the house uh, has time to paint <laughs> up the outside of the building so I can hook up the electrical. But next time I should hopefully have a finished or near finished pond to share with everyone. So do you really call that a pond or is that more of like frozen sewage or frozen ace chemicals? Nope. This one is going to be an actual frozen pond to start with. We'll put it on the outskirts of town where there is no waste. And if it turns out, then we'll see. uh, We'll get some of the chemicals in there. That'll be your evolution. She's going to be the the mistress of ponds and (laughs) strange women laying in ponds handing out swords or something like that. There you go. The end of Batman Returns with the whole penguin 
uh, sequence with he's in that park and the penguins come out of the pond, you know, kind of like cave. Scoot him, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of I think the the look and feel we're ultimately going to try to have on this table. Hmm. Seems fair. Yes, I am on the search for some tiny little penguins. So <laughs> I'm not going to trust myself to make any. But Incidentally, Night Models produces those mini penguins right from their website. Oh, well, I have not looked there yet. <laughs> they're actually models you can get in the crew. It, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be something different to play on, too. Yep. yep. So, yep. Yeah, so I'll post, make sure to post pictures of everyone's progress on our blog for this episode too so you can follow along yeah make sure you check out whiskodice.com for all the pictures of our projects and and all of the pictures that will support and go along with this episode so with that let's go ahead and take a very quick break and when we come back we'll get into our main topic all right we're back so Let's go ahead and just talk a little bit about Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. This has been something that we have been in the in months of planning and prepare, preparation to try to kick off, and it finally happened. Darn it, adults and having lives that you have to try to schedule around, which is the number one enemy of D&D. But we have a year's worth of sessions on the calendar now. We know people are going to miss some. But we're going to keep this thing going and going strong. So that's the idea is if you don't play when you're scheduled to play, it will fall apart quickly. So with the with this campaign, it's the cold north awaits you is what I put out, I think, in all the emails so far. It's kind of the, the high-level code name I've given the campaign. It's really driven off of this campaign module book that uh, Wizards of the Coast put out. Um, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, and the whole premise is um, it's set in the land of the Forgotten Realms and Icewind Dale, this normally very cold, very very much the edge of the frontier settlement of ten towns that uh, mostly are fishing villages uh, where their greatest wealth is this their lakes where the only place in the realms that have this type of fish, the knucklehead trout, exists. There's also a small mountain with some dwarves that have that have mined for iron and, and some other valuable ores, nothing too, too valuable. The whole area is generally not particularly wealthy. Um, there's wealth, but it's an area where people go to be forgotten about from the rest of the world or to hide from things that are in their past or to just maybe try to find a new new bit of luck but the whole area has been covered in darkness for the past two years and the best that you get during the day is now a twilight for about five or six hours and at the night there's this uh, aurora that goes across the sky that brightens things for a little while most think that it's Oriel the frost maiden who is casting this magic across the land oh by the way Elder, I'm talking about the high-level stuff that's on the outside of the cover of this book. We're going to be talking about this in more detail as we talk through the, our characters and what we played through in this first session later in this episode. If you are planning to play or as a player in this campaign, I hate to tell you to stop listening now but because we want you to... All of our listeners, but you probably don't want some surprises, so... 
it's best to stop listening at this point because we will be spoilers for the campaign. Um, that said, uh, that's kind of where we start. Our players uh, started in a little town, the, the biggest town in the, the ten towns called Bryn Chander, and that's where um, we'd like to go ahead and turn it over to you guys to start introducing your characters. What are you, got, what are you guys playing in this campaign? Tell us about them. Sure. So um, I am playing um, a, a character by the name of Ianros. He is, uh, you know, like a lot of people in the frozen north, he's a little bit of an outcast. He is a half-elf. He's a monk. Uh, there's a, there's some interesting things hidden in his background that I don't want to get into yet because I don't want to spoil it for our friends that are sitting at the table here. But, uh, you know, he, he, he he's had not the, the best life but not the worst life too. And, um, you know, he found himself... Uh, hiding, oh, maybe hiding's a bad word, but let's just say hanging out in Prinshander for a little while away from the one of the other ten towns where he grew up in. So, um, but the nice thing is, is my wife is also joining me on this campaign, and um, uh, she is playing a little half halfling called Frederica, who is super high energy uh, druid halfling who's just like kind of over the top doesn't have a problem telling you her opinion in 30 seconds or less um and just uh really kind of i don't know it'd be interesting to see how she progresses and uh, uh jumps in on things so i will say uh, definitely frederica's character jumped out immediately like right away there was one other character that did this the first time when we're going through the uh, the introductions of these characters because there was just so much it was it was like whoa there's like all this bounce and energy as she introduced the character it was really exciting yeah it was i mean that's an, an interesting and not to take too much of a diversion but uh, i actually met my wife through role-playing games like this so it it was exciting for me to finally get back into something and see her kind of get back into that kind of in character kind of fun so it's awesome uh hey this is justin uh so my character uh in the campaign uh his name is koth and he is a half orc paladin koth has a little bit of a sad backstory and i haven't shared this with the other players uh but i'll tell you a little bit now i'm not going to get into too much depth but uh basically koth was abducted from uh his orcish mother when he was very young uh and essentially sold into slavery and for most of his youth uh, he was essentially forced to fight in like gladiatorial arenas and, and pit fighting arenas. He is definitely a skilled fighter, but there was kind of a part of him that rebelled against his orcish brutality that really excelled at, at this kind of combat. He kind of eventually saw the light and, um, at some point refused to continue, you know, uh, fighting and rebelled against his sort of slave masters and escaped eventually. Uh, and so he is out sort of just pursuing his own destiny, uh, and, uh, trying to keep ahead of anyone who might be pursuing him. Uh, if you rebel against an organized ring of, of slavers, uh, you know, there's going to be consequences. So that's cough. And then I will also introduce uh, one of the other players' character. Our, our friend Jason is playing a another halfling, 
Uh, but he is a rogue, and his name is Lyndall Featherfoot. Um, and Lyndall has a bit of a seedy past. He is involved in um, some thieving uh, and criminal activity, but uh, ultimately is is a good character and he basically broke away from his thieves guild or his thieves group um when they started to get into some really nasty stuff so he is uh you know pursuing his own fortune but still has some ties to his cd or past so how yeah. would koth put it uh koth would say lindell is good <laughs> I, I, I do take i i do say koth you know, Ianros isn't sure he he trusts Lindell as far as he can throw him, but you know, we're walking down the same path for the moment. So we're okay, yeah. but uh, yeah, he's got that sort of fast talking thing going, and like he's yeah. a little he's yeah. a smooth talker. But yes. I'm just like my character's like, yeah, you just tried to justify homicide. I'm a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> I will say like. Uh, the other character as we're going through the introductions that really jumped out at me was Koth. Like yeah. as soon as Koth, as soon as Justin started doing the <laughs> the the Koth, it, it wasn't it wasn't much of a voice, but just the way you ch- you chose to phrase your sentences and that that just all of a sudden it was it doesn't take a whole lot for a character to yeah to it was very distinct jump out and be distinct, <laughs> but it was like. And everybody laughed that first. The first time Koth spoke, everybody laughed. They, it was just. It was a. Gr- it was another one of those great moments. He had the bubbly, energetic halfling, and then yeah. it was all. And then it was. And I am Koth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think that was exactly it, but yeah, it, it, it was it just, just perfect. It, it, it's kind of funny. You wouldn't think, but sometimes that 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 voice of the character just adds a level of depth that you're like, okay, this is gonna be a fun character. <laughs> So, Brian, why don't you tell us about your character? Sure. It's kind of hard to follow up Koth there, I guess. But <laughs> I talked about my sorcerer character. Uh, to continue the half trend going, he is another half elf in our group. Um, uh, he's a Regged tribesman from the Regged Glacier. Uh, so he's a bit of an outsider, kind of out of his element in this town. Um, again, he, not too much has been revealed about his backstory in our campaign yet. He kind of remains a bit mysterious. Um, but yeah, he's a tribesman. I don't think it gives away too much, but he's kind of on a quest to solve this darkness revolving around Oriel and trying to whatever, do that for his tribe. Like he's all about helping his tribe out. So he's kind of come to town to kind of start his quest and figure out where he's going. We've all kind of met and come together on these, the same kind of terms and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Um, not too much else to reveal about him now. I guess I haven't. You guys might have picked up on it in our thing. I guess I haven't cast too many spells yet, but I've kind of themed his spells around like kind of hot and cold elements. It's been a lot of fire now. I was kind of thinking in my backstory, like we're in this icy, snowy realm. Like fire is probably a pretty good defense against, you know, all the monstrous and dangers and not freezing to death helps. So <laughs> I've kind of centered him around that for now so i that's appreciate not been freezing fun. to death yeah. i'm just saying <laughs> yeah i mean the temperatures in icewind dale are because of the the everlasting darkness or uh any you know a normal day you're gonna see a high of maybe negative 35 degrees out with just wicked wind chills so <laughs> like when you're out in the when you're out like outside of town it is very risky so is it's that- like northern wisconsin 
but worse. Except probably. worse because <laughs> there's less trees to break the wind. Is that the normal temperature in like normal Icewind Dale, or is that like with there's no sun temperature? No, this is with the no sun temperature. Okay. Because okay. Icewind yeah. Dale would be more. I would equate Icewind Dale as being a bit more temperate. Uh, certainly, they would they more northerly like areas of Canada. Uh, as far as seasonal, um, or Alaska, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. far as seasonal normally, where you would have, in normal conditions, where you would have an actual summer where things would grow and get green and the lakes would thaw and you'd you know, have more fishing. Like, there's big right. boats. On a, on some of the boats, there are large boats, like large fishing vessels where right. crews of 10 or 15, 20 people uh, would be able to go uh, fish for these knucklehead trout. And right now, okay. most of the lakes are pretty much frozen over or what water it is broken up with ice mm-hmm. um chunks and whatnot so it's in it and it's there's not there's no grass or anything it's all just snow and snow is on a pretty regular basis even though we're in roughly um the january month of the year mm. which is making things a yeah. little harsher oh and it's like that sort of it, we're almost being forced into that sort of arctic antarctic like the temperature drops a lot when it gets dark outside mm. so yep. Which I don't know if they... One thing I will say from the DM's perspective, they gloss over. They, they say it at the beginning of it, but then I think it's really glossed over how harsh. And I, I think it's being written from people who want to run a D&D mechanic in this environment, but have never really experienced hmm. what absolute bitter cold and snow can do to a person. Hmm. And so... I'm very fortunate that we're all Wisconsinites, <laughs> live here. Are we? We're, well, we're all Scotties, <laughs> at least most of us are, and that we have an idea Weather of what that's like know. because that's going to help play into the ability to role play that environment and to think through like, hey, I'm about to go take a trek where I might not see town or a building again for a few days Mm -hmm. what do i have to prepare myself for what kind of things do i need i can't just go out there with a bedroll and hope the heck (laughs) to survive yeah so if you ever want to kill us it just gets too cold one night when we're out in the (laughs) wherever (laughs) we just all die you know that that doesn't seem (laughs) that doesn't seem like something that uh so he's really looking for that tpk you think (laughs) no um i have a full two-year I've got a full plan two-year investment in this thing. I want to I want to see it through. So we do have one other character who didn't make our first session, but is part of the group. So this is a big party. We have six players, and and up to this point, we had everybody submit their characters, except for this character. He was a he was the late submission, and we were like we were all joking around like we have a half a party because it's like half elves, halflings, half orc. Yeah, half a party. Ha ha ha. We're very <laughs> clever. Uh, and then Swifty joined us. And Swifty is a full blown human. So he broke the trend of being a half of something. Very disappointed, um, Swifty. <laughs> so Swifty is a human wizard uh, who has not a bit of a tragic backstory, which I'm sure will get unveiled as part of it. But he started basically, apparently, the part of the initial uh, activities that happened before the game session was that there might have been a little drinking involved the day or two before that first session (laughs) and Swifty got apparently his nickname for being a little swift under the table and was (laughs) suffering a bit the next day and then spent some time experimenting and 
focused on a good book and forgot to meet everybody for breakfast, <laughs> which is where things kicked off. Yep. Who wants to kind of tell us, start us off with how what things how things went down in the game? Uh, I you know it was it was interesting because it the way our you know Ben had set it up is we there were two separate kind of groups. Some of us had gotten to know each other, and we'll just say through drinking. Uh, you know, because we weren't, none of us have linked back. I mean, there might be little links that I'm not aware of, but the point is, is none of us seem to have like hardcore links. Like, um, you know, I'm traveling with you all the time, but as near as I could tell. Right. So it was interesting though, because we were all like kind of, I would say two separate tables sitting in a bar where, you know, uh, getting approached by, you know, this, this dwarf who really has this need and wants to talk about the, the challenges surrounding this this darkness and there's this group that is out there killing people and it's just or at least that's a theory she theorizes that this group is murdering people and there's definitely been some assassinations and it seems to tie to this group that they're in town and then somebody gets killed and then they're in another town and somebody gets killed so it's a very interesting coincidence um looking for somebody to go out and do it i mean because this is an older dwarf she doesn't uh, as, as near as I can tell, she's she's not particularly keen on uh, going out and doing this kind of a rundown herself. Mm-hmm. It's bloody cold out there, and she's got <laughs> yeah. old, old person joint issues, for <laughs> crack's sake. This is for the young. Go do it. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we kind of get introduced, and I think partially because, you know, Koth and, um, oh, what is Lind- Jason? Lindell. Lindell. Lindell, I think, has this interest in, in it because he was part of that group. And he got yeah. out. He he got out, as near as I could tell, before so the says. murdering started. But yeah. now he's like, so he oh, says. crap. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's my interpretation of Lindell. Is Lindell was like, ah, crap. I know these people. I used to run with them, and now they're being accused of murder. So whether he's like, I don't really want to be known because I was part of that group and hunted, or whether it's like a personal like uh i i I didn't like them anyways so i'm gonna like to exact my revenge don't know where his motives are yet but it's it's just an interesting kind of dynamic because then they're like trying to talk their way in and i was like of course koth is like koth Lindell, good (laughs) good. (laughs) so yeah i mean Lindell, i think i think he was he kind of was actually like so the 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 dwarf one was talking to your group you it was you and Rika Ryan and, and Robin, and but uh, uh, Frederica and uh, Deacon. Uh, Deacon, I think Lindell was like eavesdropping or yep. had overheard. I can't remember if he attempted to eavesdrop, but he he kind of overheard and inserted himself mm. because he heard the name of one of this former crew. Yeah, his former his boss, Steve crew, right? and so he kind of perked up to that and 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 kind of inserted himself. And at this point, Koth and Lindell had essentially become friends and uh, they met in Bryn Shander and had just kind of been drinking buddies and been just doing odd jobs in Bryn Shander and stuff. So they they were kind of together. And then, yeah. And so Lindell came over and sort of said, hey, uh, uh, I know these people and now I, you know, I'll have to remember, uh, I might be remembering wrong, but I think he was he has some skin in the game of, of, like you said, some revenge maybe against them or he seemed to, he definitely even, he definitely said he knew yeah. who was, he thought was pulling the strings in this group right yeah. now. And um, 
he he seemed to not like them a whole heck of a lot. At least that was kind of my mm-hmm. interpretation of mm-hmm. what Lindell said. Yeah, so I, I will note uh, there was some actual logic between how I put the group together. Yeah. So there are there are the people who were either they're either very motivated to see the end of this darkness over Icewind yep. Dale, or are local enough that it's a real issue. So finding mm-hmm. out that there are other people that were interested in removing the darkness, that's kind of that's the group one. Right. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was the tying factor and why you were all you may not have necessarily had backgrounds that tie together, but you have this driving interest yep. to discuss and theorize and figure out a way to undo the darkness mm-hmm. um that is that's overtaken the land for the last two years. Yep. So that's that's where you that you know, from a joining everybody together, that's how that's how kinda how I decided to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then the other two I wanted to split the group up and bring it together and have some of that magic happen at the table where there is some of this maybe distrust or or trust or very interesting dynamics of bringing adventuring companies together because so often in D&D games it's five or six random you know four five six random people that are meeting at a bar for the first time and get their first adventure and somehow they're supposed to form like a group of adventurers that way. Yeah. So I wanted to capture some of that in this first session, but I didn't want it, but I wanted to have a lot, we did a lot of work leading up to it on backstories and giving people, tying people into the game world that I wanted to be able to play on that. And I thought what better way than to kind of bring things together, but have these two other characters who really are very different, but really aren't motivated necessarily by the overarching darkness that they have separate motivations that they have somehow met each other and have ties to the area potentially but not necessarily the yeah. same overarching driving goal that the other four had um, which Swifty is part of the if, if Sean would yep. have been able to make the yeah. first session Swifty would have been part of that four yeah which is how he will get introduced in the next session. So that's that's just DM's note. That's kind of what I was thinking there, just to kind of give you that yeah. from a role-playing perspective. And, but that's and I a, thought it worked really well. I mean, just because, I mean, there was that little bit of distrust, but then it was like, oh, we're kind of in the same boat. I mean, and it's just interesting because we do have different personalities. I mean, just we all do anyways. I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts, Brian. I mean, just from that first, like, interactions and... Yeah, from the first setup um i guess it worked out yeah it probably hasn't come across maybe like super direct as my character but uh like i think he was fine being a little more distrustful in general of other people outside of his tribe maybe like i probably didn't do quite like an overemphasizing job of doing that but obviously he's aware like he can't do all this by himself kind of thing and as long as people are going the same direction with him um, to help him out like he's cool with that and I think I was I don't know if I did the most questioning of um Lindell but like he was definitely trying to kind of poke out and find more mm-hmm. back at him and since he had yeah. those ties to this group we're kind of initially starting out after like I was trying to kind of dig more of that out of him well, I don't know I, that I got motivation yeah, I, I, but you definitely like, were questioning him and kind of some background to I help think us it out. worked because he yeah, you, 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 uh, the way Jason sort of presented his character was 
sort of real well-spoken and sweet talking and that just lent to this feeling of are we really supposed to trust this guy he like <laughs> he kind of came out and said like hey i was a thief let me help you and so you're all kind of like wait a minute what <laughs> you know the worst so. part is the 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 thing that really made me like maybe i can trust him a little but was cough because <laughs> cough's like he good and i was just like okay cough's yeah. <laughs> got the simplistic approach but he is you know I don't know. There's almost that childlike thing about him, but I was just like, okay, maybe I can trust him this much, just this little bit. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm certainly excited. So, so you guys had this this uh, you know this initial introductions where you introduced your characters. You got that initial feel. You got this quest offered to you to go uh, in search for this. Uh, this uh well merchant caravan that uh has yep. been at this location where all these murders that that uh Lindell's character described more as bandits rather than uh mm-hmm. uh in banditry yeah. than uh, merchants <laughs> uh and uh in that there had been a new person with glowing blue eyes that had joined that band shortly before he left yep yep um and that you'd accepted it, and you talked her up a little bit on how much cash you were going to get for the job. But yeah. uh, overall, I, you know, it's uh, you, you start. What are you guys doing now? You get, you've taken this quest. You've had a few. Uh, she bought you a few rounds of uh, yeah. fine, <laughs> fine ale at the tavern at the North Look, and and yeah, now way, you're way better ale than beer than most of us could have afforded. Oh at yeah, this definitely. Point. <laughs> oh, definitely. I, I can't afford what she's buying. Yeah. So. And so, uh, what did you guys do? Um, this is where I thought it was interesting because different people really kind of focused on different things because I I had in my head that my character's a little bit of a slob and he <laughs> he's more focused on like, you know, because he's actually not from this town. Unlike like Cawthon and Lindell have a more strong tie to this town. They're not from the town, right. but they like like they're working on the night guard and they're like so they have barracks and they have you know whereas my character's just like just been here Mm -hmm. i just have this image of like his room is just a mess where he's like (laughs) dragged everything out and he's a monk so he's set up his little monk praying area and all this stuff so he's like mentally going oh my god it's gonna take me hours to get ready to go so he's like kind of excuses himself and like steps out of the way so he can spend a couple hours trying to put his stuff together to actually travel (laughs) right um, but then I noticed like the group just kind of focused on different things, you know, so it was interesting to see where you guys went. But I'm going to shut up now because <laughs> I'm busy packing my bags. I, no, I didn't pick up on the fact that you had this vision of that you're, where you were staying was messy. But that makes yeah. sense when you kept yeah. saying yeah. Mm-hmm. because everybody's like, what do you mean you're going to take you an hour yeah. to, <laughs> to get ready? Like it's a, like. I'm ready. My stuff right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My but my, you know, I had this kind of vision in my head of like kind of how my character is. And so I'm like, oh, you know, you know, when he travels, I can see him being a little bit neater. But, you know, he's got this whole ritual. He sets the room up. And so it's like, that's going to take me a while to tear down. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see how you maybe play that up into camping and campsites and things right. like that when we do get to more overland travel. <laughs> yeah. And then how the rest of the group deals with it. <laughs> what you know who so, the messy roommate's gonna be so yeah <laughs> uh what did what so after so you yeah you went to go he went off to pack to pack things, basically because we were gonna leave the, the next day go what do we all four of the rest of us we went to the um the places. sun temple first Where? or was it the guard i think you went well, to the, the guard place first. The, yeah what did 
I think it was maybe the guard place first. Um, so yeah, right. We went to the guard place because I was thinking. So the idea was that Koth and Lindell had. So Koth wants to do good. He's a simple fellow, <laughs> and he wants to do things that are good. And so you know, um, he uh, like basically kind of tried to talk Lindell into joining the Night Watch because um, he wanted to like patrol the town and like keep the peace and the order. Lindell may have had other reasons for joining, uh, but so they they kind of had uh, been working with the Night Watch just to earn a little bit of money. So we went to go talk to them because we wanted to find out if the so there had been a, a, a one of the, the murders had happened in Bryn Shander recently, yep. and we were trying to find out if maybe one of the senior people of like the local guard knew anything, or if there were witnesses to the murder that we could question or something mm-hmm. like that. I think that was the idea. Right, yep. that was my character's idea. At least. Right, yeah, yeah. I think you guys, yeah, had a little bit to settle up because you're the like, Night let's Watch, see if there's like, witnesses. Find more information. Like, to talk to the guards. Are you saying it's a problem if you're on the Night Watch and you just randomly disappear one day? <laughs> I don't understand why that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think they were actually supposed to be on shift that night or something too. So I don't remember. I thought we blamed on this one guy, Ian, some other some other guard <laughs> who like fell asleep or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember what it what it was. They're very now, simpleton guard, yeah. Yeah. So we went and kind of tried to find some information out about that. That there was really nothing to that yeah, we learned at that point. But I thought it was developed. It was a little shady. How little they knew, a little bit. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm misremembering that a little no, bit. That's but interesting. The one like bumbling guy mm-hmm. kind of discovered it, and there's like, oh, it's a dead guy, and like well, they kind of moved past it. No, much, but, not much for investigation. But they gave us a little bit, like little, a little bit, yeah. like um, the the ice daggers oh, and stuff. so you got some ice of the dagger, more yeah. like we got some a little bit more about how they died and how it was kind of weird mm-hmm. and a little bit you know i i mean that's what i took away from it granted in character i know none of that so we haven't <laughs> had that conversation but, but it was i i you know that was it. it was nice that we got a little bit more detail so we get in my mind it ups the level of tension on this magic blue glowing i mean it, you, your mind starts to run wild with what can this guy do? Like, how powerful <laughs> is this guy? He's got magical glowing eyes. He can make daggers out of ice that yeah. kill people. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of raises the mystery a little bit, I think. So, well, and then there's the other aspect of the whole martyr thing, which you haven't talked about, which is that right now, because of the, the sun being gone and everybody thinking that the, that Oriel is responsible, the 10 towns of like, created this uh uh lottery system or whatever where like basically every i don't know week month or something like you everybody in the town draws names uh or the the like leaders of the town draw a name and that person just gets killed and executed uh (laughs) like publicly potentially in some towns uh and so the the as a um i think the idea was that they, they were these these executions were a sacrifice to Oriel to try to to try to bring the sun back, right? Mm-hmm. That was the the kind of the backstory, and so the murders. Uh, I believe the the dwarf woman told us that she thought that the people being murdered were people who had uh, been up in the lottery to be executed, but had cheated or 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 gotten out of it somehow. They had gotten uh, their names withdrawn from yeah, the Yeah, they got their names withdrawn from yeah. the lottery. So there's another aspect of just sort of what's going on in these in these towns uh, and and 
yeah. why the people were gotten killed is still a mystery. But well, and it's just interesting because then you take people like um, like my wife's character Rika. She is, you know, she's a druid, and yeah, I mean, I think to Ben's point earlier. This is a normally a somewhat temperate town. I mean, I'm sure winter's a little longer than normal because it's a little farther north. It's like Wisconsin, um, but farther north. Uh, the The thing that's interesting for her is you take someone who's a druid who's used to there being sunlight, plants, whatever, certain times of year. And for two years, like that whole thing has been upset. So she's like really driven to be like, this is bad, like. All the stuff, like these animals, plant, I mean, everything's out of kilter. And so <laughs> it's just kind of an interesting dynamic to take like characters like that because they're suddenly, like, because I think that's where our four characters were all like, we have something in our backstory that really drives us to say, this is wrong. This is just screwed up. And mm-hmm. Yep. It's the glue that ties you together to start with. <laughs> so, yep, you, you you talked to the guard. You found you found some information out. Then you went to the temple. I think it's Sun L- Temple, right? Yeah, with the yeah, I can't Lathander, remember the exact name I think of it. it is. Oh no, I it's somebody different now. I, I remember thinking it should be Lathander, but it's like Amanator or something like that. No, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. Whatever the current the Forgotten Realm Sun Guard is. Insert name here. <laughs> uh, I'd have to go look at my session notes. Maybe I wrote it down. But uh, anyways, the you went and t- I, I, sum that up real quick. You didn't find out much, but the local priest there was more than happy to take your tithe and take your and yeah. take your uh, uh, blessed be thee. You know, yeah, they're ready to take we all the money f- we didn't have. <laughs> we were hoping they were concerned about the darkness and lack of sun in some way, but yeah, they but, weren't. So <laughs> they just wanted more whatever. They'll take your shiny to make it shiny. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they, there's definitely the the potential for po- uh, potions of healing and other things yep. were clearly made available to you through that. So, yep. um, at that point, you you guys kind of you know rambled around town for a little bit and then decided to finally head out. And what happened? Yeah, it was the next morning. I think was our set out time, and we barely get out the gates and run into not really trouble, but sidetracking i would say (laughs) (laughs) so we discover like coming whatever down the path out of town we're headed on um to the east in this case i think it was it doesn't really matter what direction it was um, there was kind of some rough looking well not rough in a intimidating bad looking way but rough as yeah bedraggled (laughs) maybe dwarfs coming at us um i think one of them was a little worse off than the other ones but uh, we ended up speaking to them, and they had been attacked by a Yeti, I think it was. Yep, Thunder Yeti. Um, they were hauling some iron ore ingots or something like that to the town and had gotten attacked. And I don't remember. It wasn't too far away from town, but it was definitely a little ways out. Um, so yeah. they ended up, I don't remember if they promised us like a gem, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Like it a, was a, a gem. spendy ruby. gem and also like, ruby and, hey, um, we'll you'll gain our favor kind of thing, which the may come in time later. Gratitude. They were from the clan mountain. They were from the, yeah, the clan battle hammer from the mountain. I think Ben was, which is, which is also a callback for those of you who read the original Dred Stewart and Icewind Dale books that R.A. Salvatore put together. Um, Bruner battle hammer is <laughs> the owner or the original, um, uh, lord over Kelvin's Cairn, and so these are dwarves that mm-hmm. had chose when he left 
Icewind Dale that these dwarves of Clan Battlehammer chose to stay because they had made families for themselves and made a life for themselves at Kelvin's Cairn. So these are dwarves that are the remnants of that clan. Yep. So kind of cool little toss in there. I don't know that many of you had actually or have recently read the books. I'm in the middle of rereading the books myself for uh, research, but uh, uh, it was a great tie-in for me to like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, I recognize that (laughs) immediately. Like that's part of something that was tied to these books that I read and loved. It's like, well, it's like when you watch a movie sometimes and you catch the like little the little reference that you're like oh that's from that movie or some other book or (laughs) something like that exactly so So hopefully if you you didn't pick it up and you've read those books hopefully you can kind of pick that up now and and be like oh cool i've earned the favor of those and you might have a little bit more of an idea that that might actually mean something (laughs) yeah but i i thought that was a nice little twist coming right out of the gate because um, it threw my character into a tizzy. Uh, so the, this is where you guys get a little see see a little bit what's under the cover, right? And so my character is very much got one of those like folk hero save the little guy kind of mentalities. So he's suddenly faced with this sort of mentally horrific decision, right? Because he's like, from one perspective, people are murdering people this is terrible. We need to do something about this. And it seems like if we don't find these people soon, that troop might move on. And then we got to try to figure out where the heck they've gone. Right. And then from another perspective, I'm like, but here's some people that really need help and they're right in front of me. So it was just kind of like, ah. yeah, I think it was a big point of decision for our party right off the bat of what to do. And, it kind of might have revealed some motives of, or whatever, more of people's personality in the decision here. I don't remember if I brought it up earlier already, but my character being like of nature and stuff, I don't think I pushed it in our decision a whole lot. Like most everybody was for, I think, helping the dwarves, but I was trying to get it across that my character was like, they got caught out by a Yeti. Um, they weren't ready for it. Nature got them. It's kind of their fault kind of thing. <laughs> I'm definitely more you focused on know better. <laughs> uh, Oriel and like this mm. strange, like odd guy. I think the other thing we didn't point out, like he seems to be like invulnerable to the cold, like oh, yeah. not wearing any, um, along with the glowing blue eyes and the ice dagger stuff, like not yeah. wearing any winter gear when they're out and about in the harsh weather. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So I was really focused. Like my character wants to get this stuff done. That's why he's here, messing mm-hmm. with these town folk and everything. And like it was on our way, but then we were gonna have to track back and like let them know since they were gonna wait at the town for us what right. happened and potentially haul this big sled of ore or whatever back as well. So. Yeah, and I mean I think that was yeah. I mean that's that was the hard part for my character is like in character he was just kind of like really torn on the subject but then he was like but here's these bedraggled dying people right in front of me i need to help them and that's where he just like he let that side of him take over and he just was like (laughs) boom i've got to do it and i think that's going to be an interesting challenge because i look across the the campaign as i world as i see it and i'm like this could really become a huge pain in the butt for my character because he's just going to be like, people always need help. Got to do all the side quests. This is an awful place. I could try to save everyone, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And the campaign book is very open-ended. So the the campaign, just to 
this is going to come out in a blog article probably before or right around when this episode releases. Uh, I've got my own DM's thoughts on organizing and getting started with Icewind Dale. And I'll continue to do some of these uh, thoughts on this particular campaign as it goes through and what why I made some of the decisions that I made in the background to, mm-hmm. to get us through this, this module. But as the DM, you're given tw- 10 starting locations that you can start the party at. And then two starting quests on top of each one of the 10 starting locations has its own quest that mm. could be used as an alternative starting quest. So I have 12 choices, basically, to give you a starting quest. I gave you one. And like, I'm like, I really want to give you this one, too. <laughs> so I gave you two quests and let you choose. I'm like, this is supposed to be an open-ended world. So my line of thought was, I'm going to give you the choice you choose your fate and either way i can build in consequences to this world as well as narrative direction for how things can go and i've had this kind of thought out and because it took us so long to get things started i had a lot of time to think this through (laughs) and either way though i knew generally the way i wanted you to go through that first session and you didn't surprise me in a wrong direction there <laughs> they give me the i figured for sure you would take the more immediate threat or the more immediate need interesting but mm-hmm. i wasn't 100 percent sure like and i was well, ready to run interesting both. because i it's, i really like hearing your guys's thought process which i did not pick up on a lot when we were playing yeah i think we didn't uh, get quite enough of that it's super It'll cool to hear that we... and that like that there was this conflict there for you uh like like to hear that and like know that that was going on in your heads is really revealing that's cool um you know i i for koth like for me as a player i was just like oh let's just do this because in my head i'm going oh it's a side quest we'll just knock that out real quick and then get back to the main quest so so (laughs) how i would justify that as koth though is i think koth probably just like forgot that they were doing something and like oh these people need help let's help them now <laughs> so yeah. wait were we supposed to be doing something more yeah like oh help people okay go Koth is we'll not help the them. most intelligent he's not very intelligent he is he's not an idiot uh but he certainly doesn't speak very well i mean he's been a slave most of his life he he, he barely knows how to to speak common yeah, uh, properly <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think you just I, forgot what they were I doing. Just, I just thought it was a great little sort of mental twist at the beginning, though obviously we failed as a party because if we haven't made the GM go, ah, damn it. And yeah. <laughs> he had a long time to prepare for it. Though. There were, there were <laughs> certainly, true. like, as you guys were starting to explore Bryn Shander and go to some of these locations, I was having a couple of those moments like <laughs> oh crap i didn't see them actually going here how <laughs> i hadn't had thought about, about the npcs there so i'm like oh quick scan the adventure module <laughs> because that's a key location that there's supposed to be somebody at oh, okay. or not necessarily as the adventure that's like they actually have it in the book like give you a little background and stuff right yeah, yeah. um and like how am i going to embody so they're like the priest at uh, at the temple was definitely me winging it on the fly <laughs> awesome that's i did awesome. not have a way i did not had not thought about oh good how All i right. wanted to work that so i'm like so i just did that on the fly and so and you know when there was oh well this person doesn't really know a whole lot well that's because i couldn't think of anything on the fly <laughs> that the person should have known to apply to what you that's wanted awesome. so. That's awesome. <laughs> so clearly it wasn't important um but uh 
yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then you guys, you did, went and helped the dwarves yep. and yep. dealt with the elements. The blizzard, a uh, blizzard came on, yeah. and and uh, an odd voice whispering. Oh, oh yeah, right. to be seen. What that was about. Did did <clears throat> did everyone hear that voice? I thought I it was just like you no, and um, I. I don't know I if know. Wendell told it, but you it guys kind of uh, said everybody. I think else. a perception check. I think I made people mm-hmm. roll. Mm-hmm. That and that was one of my threes. I think I rolled <laughs> like that. Yeah, my, my my dice are a little uh, manic depressive. They don't really know what they want to do. So it's like it's either a twenty or or a one or something like that. There are no middle ground. So I don't remember any ones being rolled though. No, I no, not yet. So. I think we had one crit in the combat right yeah, away. I think there was a yeah, but I think there was a crit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no ones. So yeah, we fall. Mm-hmm. We we so we were tracing back this sled, right? That the yeah, dwarves, yeah. Uh, like full of iron. We were trying to find that, and then uh, we found where the attack had occurred and the um, bloody remains of the dwarf, the right. fourth dwarf of the their fourth, party. Yep. yep, and uh, you know, I'm sure it was you know quite frozen by that point. So yeah, frozen mm. and descriptive. Yeah, I, did, I tried to. Yeah, just, it was. Uh, the, it was missing its head or something. Wasn't yeah. it? The head and the the stomach had been ripped open, and <laughs> all, it was all pretty the juicy, soft bits that are tasty. There, there's supposed to be a little bit of a horror aspect mm. to this campaign as well. So mm-hmm. some of those things and elements that are like that, like you try to help you imagine that sequence. I want you to envision how awful it is, because at some point, you know, there also needs to be like this idea that okay you guys came across a yeti attack and this is what a yeti could do the first time you encounter a yeti you guys should be thinking like my characters are terrified right because we've seen what a yeti can do yeah yeah and then you know got to see that we could see some tracks that's where this sled must have been heading off didn't take us long to find it though oh my lord i didn't think you guys were going to pass a successful check to find those tracks i think there was several rolls there before you finally had one that was like hey i figured out how to until somebody found something i was like oh man i'm just gonna have to like have these guys find the tracks and like somehow narratively pull this in but finally i got a decent (laughs) dice roll out of someone and i'm like okay you found the tracks i'm pretty sure it was the sorcerer wasn't it or did was it it you almost I don't Wasn't think it? so. Oh, really? Because my character was like my I, every perception check I had to roll. I'm pretty oh, sure I thought it was, it was like, you discovered. What am I doing? Picking my nose like or staring at my belly <laughs> or button? Maybe that was the something. second. But apparently, finding <laughs> but... a uh, the tracks of several goblins pushing a giant dog sled full or a dog sled full, full of, of heavy iron, iron ore that had not been snowed over. It right. just happened <laughs> after the snow. Was really hard to do. <laughs> But they it's, did it. It's white on white with white. It was dark. In the dark. <laughs> In the dark. Yeah, I mean, right. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So you track yeah. these goblins mm-hmm. down. Yep. And I thought this was probably one of the most interesting sequences of the night. Because uh, there were a number of ways that you could have dealt with this encounter. It did not necessarily. I wanted to give you guys in the session, in your first session an opportunity to have a combat encounter. But I wasn't going to force it. Right, no, and certainly from yeah. the goblins' mindset, these goblins were—they found loot in the middle of the tundra, just yeah, happened to find it. Opportunity, and <laughs> we're taking advantage of opportunity. They, you know, so yep. you know, they could have been talked to. They could have been a lot of things. It was really interesting to see what Koth and Deacon did. Yeah, we had a 
quite a we, long we discussion for it, the yeah. uh, we, whatever the chance encounter, but well, it was kind of good. I think it broke down to let's do something <laughs> like it, we were it, all talking I, about I really it did forever. feel like it because it felt and like we were like, talking too much and, yeah. I, and I mentally always try to say if we're talking that means we're talking in character yeah. too like we're this is this. an instantaneous yeah. we just encounter. kept getting closer to him and I was like somebody do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> it was just interesting because Koth like kind of takes this I, well you were trying to scare him right yeah so I think event like Koth wasn't 100% comfortable just running in to attack them, right? I mean, he's a paladin, or he's soon to be. I mean, we're level ones. Yeah. He's, you know, it was not, like six or hasn't eight goblins fully taken or his like paladin oaths yet, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what that he ends up going in what direction. But, you know, he wasn't going to just straight up murder him. I think he didn't like goblins, though, right? I don't remember. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> fought some goblins. Justin, I don't know. the player, was using a whole <laughs> lot of. Oh my We're god, god oh, no, for sure. 50, 50, uh, yeah. either way, there was some this many goblins, first. there was some definite metagaming going yes, as, as we were walking up, like, yep. and I think, <laughs> I think that did more to get, to get you guys into a mindset that wasn't, like, we Just don't want to go into yeah. a straight combat here, yeah. because mm. we might have a TPK. How many goblins were there? There were six pushing the sled. Six, and then... Uh, and then and the caravan was more. more? There was or a, one more. Yeah, there was the wagon being pulled by the two polar the bears that you could see. Oh yeah, and, and two the polar one bears. goblin on top of it. <laughs> a polar bear is pulling a wagon, and then the six goblins and six goblins against. I mean, we're six people, but we're still level one. So my meta gaming radar was going <laughs> off a little for sure. Yep. So Bukoth decided he was just going to try to scare these goblins off and. I think he just yelled at them that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't their, their stuff, or yeah. like, it's not your stuff, <laughs> like give it back or something. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, <laughs> then, Deacon yeah. walks up. Yeah. I pulled a little intimidation tactic that came from kind of my character building. I think it was one of the sorcerer, like, um, whatever efficient, I don't remember what it's called, like, you know, skills that you can choose when building your character. One of them I chose was intimidation. So he came up and kind of just popped a handful of fire as kind of a backing up uh, cost threat to scare those goblins out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me just say, like, as I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking, about, like, how are these goblins going to work? I mean, they're scavengers. These co- goblins themselves are not combatants mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, they're certainly they're out on the open tundra, so they probably have uh, seen some combat. But like yeah. this, hey, this group of unknown people, humanoids, one fla- wielding fire like it's magical and. Another yeah. one that's a big orc who's you know their tribe <laughs> has had had issues with the orcs, like I, they yeah, were they were immediately ter- intimidated. Well, and I I look at it from the perspective of think of it from the setting too, like like in a traditional world, right? You think you know, Koth's probably still. I mean, you're going to be able to size him up. He's a half orc, but you're going to be able to go. He's wearing pretty strong mail and you know whatever and. And he's probably dresses with you can kind of size people up quickly in this setting. I don't have a damn clue what you are, except maybe the weapon that you're carrying, because everybody's going to be wearing heavy <laughs> cloaks mm. or, or they're going to be wearing like furs and layers of, you know what I mean? Like heavy winter stuff. I'm like my my head mentally. I sit there and go, it's going to be like, I don't know if you're wearing plate mail or 
something insane underneath it. I'm not going to know <laughs> till that first strike whether you're soft and squishy or you're going to be a nightmare for me to deal with. And that's <laughs> like you know, I'm trying to think of their mental calculus going. Yeah. He's big. He's intimidating. He's got fire. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go. Dude with a fire all up in his hands, just marching <laughs> out of the, the, the blizzard, like huge figures marching toward these poor little goblins. Like, that was the image I was hoping to. Yeah. You know. I mean, it was an intimidation check with yeah. advantage, and <laughs> the goblins immediately started falling back. You know, it, was a, it was a measured retreat. They yeah. were uh, falling back to the wagon and eventually trying to bug out. But uh, I think uh, Lindell got a lucky like. So we went into com. This was so we went into at this point we went into combat and had everybody roll initiative. And Lindell I think acted first. She whipped out her. I think she's got a short bow or he's got a. Yeah, he's got a short. He's bow. got a short yeah. bow and whipped out. And I think that was the crit of the night right there. Dead goblin <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. The first one. Yep. Before they even moved, I think they. I think I moved that. They, they started. They, the they, they, went first. they started. They went backwards. Yeah. Uh, and then their boss was on the wagon, kind of cracked the whips, I thought, kind of stayed their retreat from us. And it was like, hey, no, that's like our stuff we found <laughs> and kind of <laughs> willed them into fighting back yep. against yeah. us was yeah. kind of well, the feel I got out of it. I don't think anybody in the party spoke Goblin. So we no, like, no. and I'm pretty sure the one on the top never said anything in common. Or, no, it's gnarled. So it was like the other goblins. So it was a, yeah. we definitely had a communication gap there. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody really tried to speak to the goblins in common, though. So there was, you know, I fully had them prepared to be able to speak common mm-hmm. and yeah. a voice ready for it, but it just didn't happen. So you <laughs> save that voice, save that so voice I for next save time. Save that for later. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so you guys ultimately got the wagon. Of, you, and, it's, and it surprised me a little bit that you didn't press the uh, attack a little bit more, but you kind of well, hunker down around the, the wagon, which... I was hoping for maybe a little more substance in the combat to let other characters. It ended up turning into kind of this ranged thing, and yeah. well, there were a number mm-hmm. of well, characters that yeah. couldn't. Oh yeah, couldn't do close combat. So, yeah. you know, it left the session. I think it left the session. You guys were heroes, right? You succeeded. You got the ore, but I felt it left the session where some of the characters maybe didn't get to shine or use their abilities quite as much as. Yeah. You know they they could have. Yeah, so. I was ne- I was never in melee. And we definitely did take some dicey damage too. I oh think. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, the worst part is I'm standing are... next to the intimidating one. They're like, let's shoot the monk. <laughs> Which I mean, I get it. I was the next tallest, like one of the next tallest. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I had my staff out. So I mean, at a minimum, it's like, dude with the staff, probably another warrior. He's up front. We're gonna attack him and. Totally made sense, um, but then it was just kind of one of those, like you said, we never really closed the distance, and the way they were backing up and we could move, I was just like, let them retreat. You know, my my character's mentally going, yeah. they were just doing, like you said, the scavenger thing. Totally reasonable. If they're going to let us be... And they're going to take their wagon off. Cool, let them go. And then we don't need to we don't need to slaughter them to a person. Who knows? There might be consequences <laughs> for that too. There could be, I mean, but they we can always have... hope that they go. Well, you had the chance to slaughter us, and you didn't. They did uh, have polar an bears. Attempt and... might have been made. <laughs> I, did, I think where you and or is it just uh, 
uh, Rika think, talking about maybe I should try to talk to the polar bears. Like, she wanted to oh, totally try and free them, them too. I, I, but I, they were like big and angry, and it's like, well, I, don't I know. think <laughs> if she had a different spell set up for the day, she would have totally just done it. And there's nothing yeah. any of us could have done to stop it. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. she would have been like, oh, yeah, way. I'm going to charm those polar bears, and we're totally going to get that wagon <laughs> on the way back. <laughs> so eventually, you guys make it back to town. You. Cash off the the and get yep. your reward, which is the gem and the favor of the dwarves. We so did we bring back the body of their fallen dwarf comrade for yep. proper burial. A little out. bonus bonus positive there, yeah, <laughs> yep. and uh, which was not required, but that was mm-hmm. awesome. And then uh, that's kind of where we leave everybody uh, with the big hey, you guys were all level one. Well, guess what? Level two, <laughs> level two. So um, everybody got to level up here. Uh, I just made you roll your hit points dice, yep. or your hit die dice, uh, if you chose to roll it at the table rather than taking the the mean default, average, whatever, it's whatever the default is in mm-hmm. the book that it says you can take, which I think plays better for some of the spell ca- the the weaker spellcasters like the wizard, especially early level yeah. too. Um, early, yeah, uh, gives you a, a you know a yeah, consistent unless you're really good at rolling one. sixes. If you're really good <laughs> at rolling ones, you're gonna hurt. But I think everybody else that rolled, I think. Did. I rolled a six on my D. I think everybody that chose to roll actually did better than the average. I was one less than the average. Or, except for you. Yeah. Which you're is fine. Close. I got hit points anyway. Makes sense so for I'm, cough. Yeah, you got a big I'm dice, good. too, it's you're fine. rolling, right? Yeah, you're it's rolling a D10. A 10, so. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And that's where we leave off. So yeah. um, our next session will be here in another week, uh, next weekend. I'm totally less than, pumped. Less than uh, yeah. seven days <laughs> away now. I'm super excited. I'm... I have some furious hobby projects that I need to finish. <laughs> I ran out of paint of a certain color, <laughs> so I had to order more paint. And then it was, <laughs> man, it was like out everywhere. So <laughs> I found a place, and I was I found two places and ordered from two places. It showed up from one. I don't think it shipped <laughs> from the other yet. So, <laughs> so I'm I've got it. I've got a few days. I have plenty of time to finish it up. And hopefully you guys get to encounter, experience it, and it'll be awesome. And I've done some other cool stuff. I'm looking forward to a full group at the table, all six of you, yeah. with all the challenges that that will present the DM as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been great getting back into D and D. It's been oh my lord, it's been ridiculously long since I played D and D. So yeah, um, definitely. Looking I loved forward it. To it. I I thought it was just interesting to see the different dynamics of people and how they played their characters like Brian's and I felt like Brian and mine were a little more subdued characters wise like for sure so far yeah at least so far what I've seen of your character yours seems quiet calculating like he does speak his mind and he's definitely looking for things but it's like he's not got that like larger than life thing that we've seen yet like reek is just out there (laughs) koth has such a i mean koth just has such a simple way of looking at the world but it's very distinct and so koth just kind of jumps out of the page and lindell too like he always seems like that slimy car salesman thing he's got (laughs) going on or something you know but it's just interesting to see because like I'll be interested to see where Brian's stuff develops. I mean, I think we got to see a little under the covers here, but I'm just saying it'll be interesting to see where we start to hit things that mean something to some of the more quiet characters. You know what I mean? That aren't like part of it's figuring out like the role playing aspect for me. I know that's one of like my weaker things. Like this time I've at least, you know, uh, been 
and everybody's kind of put out some resources to kind of help think about that more. And it's mm-hmm. really just having to think about your character and have yeah. an idea of who your character is when it comes, you know, yeah. in the moments to put that out there. So yeah. it's yeah. just a lot. And as we go on, I think all of our characters are going to kind of develop more and we'll yeah. learn more about them yeah. in those instances. So I'm looking have, forward to that myself. I have a ton for each of you mm-hmm. to play off of your backgrounds that's going to get tied in and for some of you that'll mean learning a whole lot about your backgrounds and <laughs> for some of you this is going to be things that might tie into actual adventures that you're going in on games um, and some of this I, I can just say I'm like super excited because there's there are a lot of super fun things that I have planned to kind of toy off of that to just bring this whole narrative together that I think everyone's going to love those surprises and it's just going it, to it's I've I've ran a lot of Dungeons and Dragons games for a first session. I've never felt so excited about the narrative or the group of players and the whole story that came out of that. Like there was there was the, you know that moment in dealing dealing with the goblins there at the end. Like it, it just was a D and D moment that it works so flawlessly and it was so easy and natural to work with and just wrap it into the narrative without having to even flinch. I'm like, oh, you guys are dealing with it this way. <laughs> I, that sounds cool. Let's, yeah, roll that with, roll that intimidation check with advantage. Yeah, that worked. <laughs> How am I going to deal with that? Okay, let's let's play with it because, you know, at the end of the day, you guys are the heroes of the story, and if I don't do my job to help, I, I mean, I'm not going to pull punches, but if I don't do my job to help you guys feel like you're the heroes of the story and that the story is about you... I haven't done my job, and it just flowed so well like that. I didn't. There was no adversarial. There was no anything. It was just a real good collaborative storytelling experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was just kind of a cool moment for me because you really had been just kind of quiet and a little under the radar, and it was like this moment, and he was just like, "Bam! I'm yeah. just going to step up with the intimidation." <laughs> I was just like. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it was like, like the defining moment of Deacon the entire <laughs> like, night. It was all of a sudden. It's like Brian's been kind of quiet and oh, and oh, here's you the know badass. he's he's said a lot during this during the session, but he you has, know very yeah. reserved, very quiet. Which it might be things that you decide to pull into your character yeah. and then and make that part of how that character is portrayed. But then all of a sudden, yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. clear that he was a sorcerer or anything necessarily in our party yet. And yeah, we had no, I did get pretty. I don't think anybody's I, class roles yeah. are really clear, other than J- uh, Jason's rogue. I did get pretty lucky in the combats that my firebolt was messing up the lead goblin. Yeah, that thing good. was. You, <laughs> you were having some pretty wicked rolls. So, it was yeah. like, did I hit? Oh, I just, unfortunately, there was only a couple. And then of them, it was but, like, how much did I do on damage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Firebolt's a firebolt's a strong a, cantrip for yeah. a ranged combat. Well, yeah. it's all it's on most wizards, from what I can and, tell, and, and sorcerers. Yeah, I was pulling stuff a little bit. Like I didn't use any of my level one spells or anything like that. Sure. So we'll why, see what happens. Why next would time, you if you so. were rolling like you were on cantrips? Well, <laughs> that's the thing. I was waiting for my luck to run out, and then I'll miss on one of the level ones, and it's like, well, dang it. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm glad you guys all had fun. I yeah, certainly a had a time. blast. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is our first episode ever of Whisco Dice that we featured a role playing game. In the future, we're going to be putting out episodes on our feed called The Tales of the Cold North that will feature our post-session thoughts and experiences. 
We covered our hobby projects today. We talked about our D&D session. We've talked about all of this, but we're really excited to announce. And in fact, I'm announcing this, and unless everybody read their show notes, they're not re- they they were hearing this for the first time too. Although we did talk about doing a post a post episode or a post session episode kind of thing. So I'm going to try to get some of the players after each session to sit down and record probably do it a remotely remote recording for post sessions and it'll be it'll show up right on our same feed where you find this podcast so if you're wanting to find out more about this campaign and follow this campaign just grab the episodes for tales of the cold north that will be uh featured on our rss feed and go out through our website and uh enjoy because i think there's going to be a lot of great stories and uh, it's, I'm really excited to see where these characters grow and, and become in their future. That said, we talked about our hobby projects this episode with a heavy dose on, on working for our D&D, which is obviously the kind of the big part of what's been going on in our, our gaming lives lately. And finally, we did catch up on a number of amazing board games, and that's, it's great to see that we still are getting all that, all that gaming time. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Ah, oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.